You are listening to episode 18 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. I'm having a little bit of trouble grasping that this is the last episode of 2018. I'm taking the week of Christmas off to spend time with my family, so the next episode will drop on Wednesday, January 2nd. Now, I had an entire episode planned for this week, and well, life happened. But because life happened, healing also happened. Now, this is really more of a story followed by a conversation that might just change your life. So to fully pick up what I'm putting down, you've got to tune in, turn it up, and let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business, and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. So last week, I was supposed to have a call with a guest who would be featured on this week's episode. She emailed me shortly before the call and said she wasn't feeling energetically her best, and even while attempting to ground herself, she felt breakdown mode ensuing. So she asked if we could reschedule for another day when she could project her best self. Without even hesitating, I emailed her back, letting her know that I too was having an off day and I wasn't feeling my best self. After I sent that email, I realized, shit, what about next week's episode? You see, normally episodes launch about four to six weeks after they've been recorded, and I've only had a few last minute instances that messed with the schedule, but luckily was always able to fill the spot. So January's guests are all lined up, and it just didn't even feel right to move up their episodes for this. So while I was sitting at a crossroads, I was venting to my friend Stephanie, and she was like, why don't you just do an episode about breakdowns and how to cope with them, since my guest was dealing with a breakdown, and seemingly to her, I was having a breakdown of my own. I thought... All right, well, that's a good idea. But when I started mapping out the episode, I couldn't stop thinking about my one-on-one call that I had with Reverend Frances Faden. Now, she was last week's podcast guest, but I'm not talking about the conversation I had with her on the podcast. I'm talking about our actual one-on-one healing session where she invited Mother Mary into our conversation as a guide. And during our call, Reverend Faden said that my heart chakra was troubled. So if you don't know what chakras are, by definition, they're energy centers within the human body that help regulate all of its processes from organ functions to the immune system, even our emotions. It's the things that make us human from the base of your spine to the crown of your head. There are seven chakras and they each have their own vibrational frequency. So full disclosure, this was my first energy reading, and I was a bit shocked to hear that out of all of my chakras, my heart chakra was the one that was troubled. So when discussing the heart chakra, which is obviously in the center of the chest, it governs things such as compassion and spirituality, Mother Mary's message to me was that I was too protective of my heart. So in fact, I have been operating out of protection mode and misgiving my power. Part of this big, long message was that I protect, therefore I'm not often vulnerable. And according to the message from Mother Mary, becoming vulnerable is one of my only ways that I can truly heal and grow. So here's where I really began to feel like an imposter on my own podcast. For the past 18 weeks, I have asked countless guests to come on and onto the show and speak their truth and share their message and open their vault of vulnerability. But in all fairness, I haven't done the same for myself. So when I touched on last week that I was having a bad day and well, that just wasn't a bad day. It was it was an awful day. It was the one-year anniversary to the passing of a very special person in my life. So that day already felt a little bit heavy. 
And three days prior to that, I randomly started having extreme facial pain from my nose, across my cheek, to my ear, down my jaw, and me being the, oh, I'm fine type of person. I just mixed me up a little ibuprofen and Tylenol cocktail, and I just proceeded on with my day. I actually hosted two shows that day, had you know podcast conversations, and neither of the guests knew that I was in pain. So by the second day, my entire cheek began to swell. And I wasn't even paying attention to my own health that day because my dad was having emergency surgery for a hernia. So all of my attention and energy, even being 900 miles away, it was, it was focused on him that day. I like couldn't get him off my mind. So by day three, I woke up and my eye was swollen. My face was about three times the size it was the day before. And this little voice in my head was telling me to call my doctor. So the call from the doctor leads to a call to the dentist who wanted to see me immediately. And by the time I got to the dentist's office and had an x-ray, my dentist was shocked that I was even functioning. She told me that I had a really bad infection and it was so close to my eye. That's why, you know, hence the swelling. And that if I had even waited another day, I could have woke up with paralysis in my eye, whether temporary or permanent. And she stressed that if I had waited another two to three days, the infection would likely have traveled to my brain where it could have killed me. So these weren't really easy words to hear, especially knowing that they were on the verge of sending me to the ER to get an IV. And when I got home, I felt the heaviness of that day hit me. You know, like when a day feels emotionally heavy, like a load of bricks sitting on your chest and you're unable to breathe properly. And no matter how many times you tell yourself, it'll be okay. It's almost like you can't even force yourself to believe it. That was my day. And to me, my thought was, the show must go on. So while I considered emailing my guest, I didn't. And that just meant that I wasn't allowing myself time to physically heal. And But when I received her email requesting a reschedule, I had a huge sense of relief overcome my body. But then I wondered, well, if I wasn't in the right mental or physical space to host this call, why wasn't I the one to reach out and reschedule? And then I really started to think about why, as humans, do we not allow ourselves the rest when we need it? And why do people, such as myself, who know the importance of mental health, really have trouble admitting when they need a break? So with all of these questions in mind for today's episode, I couldn't help but to text my friend Shereel Turner for a little bit of insight. And Shereel was our guest on episode two when we talked about mindfulness and meditation. And what better than to bring her on this call and have her help me work through it? Because I don't think there's anyone in my life who's been able to pull things out of me the way you do, Shereel. Well, you know, Lauren, it's a gift. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> I, I was just really pleased that you actually um, messaged me and asked me to get involved with this whole situation. I mean, my first reaction when I heard that your face was swollen for three days and you hadn't done anything was like, how did you not take yourself to the emergency room day one with the slightest sign of swelling occurred? Because, I mean, if that was me, you know, I'd have called the police, the paramedics, (laughs) absolutely everybody to come and bail me out. But this is the conversation that we've had before where you tend to put so many people and so many things before you. And I think that this whole scenario, absolutely every part of it, is not only um, key in terms of timing for you in your life, but I think it's also, um, it was signaling a breakdown that was about to happen. And so you were forced to pay attention to what's going on in your life so that you could not only figure out where you're kind of like ignoring yourself or where you're putting yourself last, but also start to really figure out what you need to do 
in terms of making sure that you implement self-care, learn how to put yourself first without feeling selfish or guilty or any of the other negative emotions that people normally associate with that. Yeah. So, yeah, happy to be on board. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to have you here because like I said, there's really no one that kind of pulls it out of me. And what the listeners don't know, but you and I know is the past couple months for me have really been a spiritual growth in their own right. And really the next steps of stepping into my power and just releasing things. So it's almost like every week something new comes up for me. Like, I don't even know if you're surprised anymore. (laughs) No, not at all. I'm just kind of sitting here, rubbing my hands together, waiting for the next episode. Like what's going to happen with Lauren next? Because the thing is, what's really significant is that as you go through your spiritual growth and your awakening, it tends to pull things out of me that either I haven't addressed yet or sometimes things that I need to kind of reflect on. Mm. So I think that it just works really well in parallel with both of our lives. But yeah, the spiritual activity and the spiritual journey that you're on, that you're on right now is super exciting. I think it's absolutely amazing that you've decided to do this And we all know that there are no accidents or coincidences that everything happens for a purpose and happens the way it should and when it should. So I believe that this episode is a gift not only to yourself, but also to your listeners. They didn't know what they were in for today. I don't. (laughs) They got under your skin, Lauren. They get to get under your skin. I didn't know what I was in for today either because this all just kind of came about. So... (laughs) I guess we're all about to hold on and embrace this together. Yeah. I mean, let's start right at the beginning. So the call that you had with Mother Mary, um, that Reverend Faden, the the reading that Reverend Faden did for you, I just think it's really significant that of all of the chakras she pulled out, your heart chakra. Mm. So anybody that knows you knows that you're one of the most loving and caring and passionate people that there is. But what people would not have known is as life, you know, life happens to everybody, but some of the situations and some of the things that you've been dealing with in the past meant that you became protective over your heart. So when we operate out of protection, we don't always give the fullness of ourselves. But what tends to happen is we tend to limit ourselves in terms of the love and compassion that we show to ourselves rather than though, than what we show to other people, right? So the whole fact of this being your heart chakra that was troubled, it's not actually about your ability to show kindness and compassion and caring to others. This is really all about you. And then this was compounded by the fact that when you were ill, you decided to soldier on neglecting yourself <laughs> in the aim of making sure that everybody else was okay. Now, there's a little secret in here. If you're not okay, then nothing else is okay. Right. And people need to accept this. They need to understand this about themselves because everything that you do comes out of you. And without a Lauren, then there's none of this that you've actually created. So the fact that you were in danger of blindness or death is the biggest wake-up call any of us could ever have, right? So it really is about you paying attention to that, you understanding that you are neglecting yourself in some ways, which is one of the most difficult things to hear, um, especially for us as women. We don't like to think that we don't have everything under control and in order. But the fact of the matter is that this just highlighted a whole mindset that you have towards yourself in terms of putting you last and putting everybody else first. So true. It's so true. And it it's funny that this all happened after she opened it. You know, like everything right. I feel like everything's been happening afterwards. So um, but then it's acknowledging, you know, acknowledging like why didn't I do it? And when I thought, you know, the show must go on, and I started thinking about that, and I was like, Well, like why like why did it have to go on? You know, it was like, well, like, yeah. why why did it have to go on? And the reason came back to is I didn't want to let anyone down. But then I started mm-hmm. thinking, you know, like, well, who was I letting down? And in all honesty, if I would have hosted that call that day, 
with my throbbing face and a raging headache, then it would have come through in that conversation. It would have come through in the tone of my voice. Like I I just wouldn't have been myself. It wouldn't have sounded as great. And I probably wouldn't even had the mental capacity to even come up with great or engaging questions. So the only person I've been letting down was myself in the end and, and my, my guest and everyone listening, you know, so it was actually doing me a disservice by even thinking I could go through with that call. I mean, the good thing is that you realize now, because like you said, since the um, reading with Reverend Faden, everything's been opened up. So things are now coming to your attention, which means it's time for you to heal this whole um, scenario. Whatever it is that's happened, whatever it is that's caused you to move into protection mode, it's essentially over. So this is a really good um, indicator that other people can look at and see that when these things happen and they are brought to your attention, this is time for you to begin to heal these things. So once it's brought to your attention, once you're aware of what's happening, part of the work has already been done. So what I would love to um, kind of talk about and recommend that people think about with a scenario like this is really looking into mindful compassion. So as people may or may not know, I'm a mindfulness expert and I spend most of my days teaching mindfulness, providing people with mindfulness tools and writing mindfulness courses. And one of the things that comes up over and over again is a lack of self-compassion. And what a lot of people don't know is that when they're thinking about being compassionate towards themselves or implementing a self-care routine is that until you do this in a mindful way, as in taking the time to be present when you're making these decisions, really searching and observing within yourself as to what is going on that you need to take care of, it's really easy for these new routines or ideas to fall to the wayside. So it's not that we don't know how to take care of ourselves. It's not that we don't know that we should love ourselves and be kind to ourselves. But we recognize mindfully, as in in a present way, rather than on autopilot, it's really difficult to make those things. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. get it? (laughs) Yeah. Right, so... I'd, I'd love to, so there's a great book out there. It's called Mindful Compassion by um, somebody called Paul Gilbert. And it's about using the power of mindfulness and compassion to transform our lives. And the reason I recommend this book is because it takes people on a journey from the most basic fundamental principles of being mindful with yourself and understanding where you lack self-compassion. So this is different for everybody, Right. Um, some people find it difficult to, um, you know, support themselves or think good things about themselves. Some people find it difficult to appreciate how they look or how they appear to other people. Some people find it difficult to, you know, stand up for themselves or be heard. So there's lots of ways in which we don't show ourselves compassion. But the first step is to really just think of ourselves in the way that we would think of a friend, right? So, For example, if a friend of yours, Lauren, had messaged you and said, I'm not feeling really well, I've got a call lined up, my face is swollen, and I've got a raging headache, what is the first thing that you would have said to that friend? Cancel that shit. (laughs) Right. But you weren't able to say that to yourself. No. Right? So Mm -hmm. it's that simple. It really is that simple. And the first rule of mindfulness is to be present with yourself, So whether you use a simple breathing technique, take a few moments, be present with yourself, find out what's going on with you. I mean, it was pretty easy to find out what was going on with you. You only had to look in the mirror, but you still (laughs) couldn't really stop and take the time to sort of look at yourself and say, why is this happening? But more importantly, what would I like to do about it? Right. So when we take that first step, we can then address ourselves almost as a as a really good friend or our best friend would address us Mm. so sometimes we just have to literally put ourselves in our friend's shoes and say what would our friend say or do in this situation what would my friend say to me because Mm. the whole point of being mindfully compassionate is that we do become our own best friend why is that so hard to be your own best friend 
Well, as with most things um, in terms of the human mind, we have a whole system of processes and thoughts and everything else that are programmed in from really early. Some parts of the brain, the reptilian brain in particular, um, these are the areas of the brain where the patterns of behavior are so ancient. I mean, we're talking about, you know, caveman days where we're protecting ourselves and the slightest sign of danger, you know, we move into fight or flight response or the stress response. So we have these systems that we're battling against a lot mm. of the time. But more importantly, we have learned behavior where as children or young people, or even simply just due to the media, we're told over and over again what a good person looks like. So this is how you're a good mother. You put your children before you. This mm. is how you're a good husband or wife. You um, prioritized your spouse. This is how you're a good employee. You put work first. What that teaches us is that we're bad people when we say no, stop, or enough is enough. Mm. So what we're not actually taught, and this is where the reprogramming comes in that mindfulness allows us to do, is we're not taught to say no, enough is enough, or I'm going to take a break and I'll be back this point so sometimes it's the simplest of things that can allow us to actually stop take a breather and just say actually no I don't feel well right now and we might only need a couple of hours maybe a day or two but if we need a couple of weeks or a couple of months then let it be because otherwise what happens is we continue to build the stress. We continue to ignore all of the signs. And this is when we're headed to breakdown. Yeah. So all the breakdown is, is a crisis. And all a crisis is, is the need to change gear. So I know that in the States, obviously, most people drive automatic. We still have a lot of people here in the UK who drive stick, who drive stick shift or with gears. So when you go from first to second gear, and the engine starting, and you know that you have to change to third gear, that's called the crisis point. Mm. And all a crisis is, or all a breakdown is, is your, your emotions, your mind, or your body saying, let's shift gear. Let's just take it down a couple of notches. I need a rest. I need a break. And because you didn't pay attention to the small signs that I sent you, now I'm going to give you a big sign because it's time to slow it right down. Hmm. So that's all it is. So if we can get into a daily practice of being mindful, which is just simply checking in with ourselves, taking a moment, maybe a few moments in the morning, during the day, you know, on your commute, whatever it is, just taking a few moments to check in with ourselves and just literally ask ourselves, what's going on with me today? How am I feeling? What do I think about life? What am I worried about? What do I need to face today? You know, just having those simple conversations with yourself as you would a friend, but answer those questions and respond in the way that a best friend would. And that's the first rule in terms of mindful compassion. Mm, I like that. Yeah, it's really simple, but we have, to, we have to learn these things, first of all, but also by repeating that over and over again, we train the mind to begin to adopt a new way of looking at things. Right. So my initial reaction when you told me what had happened is the reaction that any friend would have. Right. But it's the reaction that you had yourself. So right. now you can sit and think to yourself, actually, if the tables were turned and one of my friends messaged me with that information, what would I have said? Right. And it's really as simple as that. But by checking in with yourself on a regular basis and asking, how do I feel? You know, what is my schedule today? Is this something that I can deal with? Am I happy with this? What would my best friend advise me to do? And then look at things from that perspective sometimes. And that's the beginning of showing yourself some self-compassion. Hmm. All right. You see, mindful, mindfulness is just all about being kind to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Get into and the present moment and be kind to yourself. You know, and I was when you were talking, I was actually thinking about I guess, I feel like this was last year's at some point. Um, and this to me just kind of shows how I've always stepped over that, that 
step of taking care of myself because I remember a conversation we had last year and it was when Callie, who for those listening don't know, is my youngest daughter, she was in um, daycare for two days a week. Um, and I was talking to Shreel, we were having this conversation and I, I mentioned that I felt guilty for taking a bath in the middle of the day, like just like to relax and you kind of like, we're like, what? <laughs> like, what? Like, why would you feel guilty for that? I mean, it is, and that was my only two days without kids. It's like that only point of my day that I could fully relax, but I felt guilty about not using that time to work or to put in a load of laundry or whatever. So it's like the small self. And now that's like almost part of my routine of like the small self-care habits. But yeah. Leading up to this event, clearly it's still not resolved for me. Yeah. But do you know what? This is really exciting for you because you're now going to the next level, mm. right? Because when something like this happens, what it does is it forces us to look at the problem and then invite in solutions. Right. So when you speak to different people or you, know, you get on Google, you do a search or whatever it is, it just means that we're expanding our knowledge, we're expanding our awareness and we're inviting solutions in that take us to the next level in terms of our own personal development, right? So that whole situation about you feeling guilty, that is common to people the world over, regardless of their situation, because we're not taught that it's okay to take a bath in the middle of the day. We're taught that in the middle of the day, you must be productive, you must be active, you must be working, you must be getting something done. And in fact, if you're not, you're a bad person, right? However, that doesn't work for everybody. We all have different routines. We all, you know, are at different life stages. We all have different things to do. And first of all, the first no-no is to stop judging yourself. Yes. Right? The, the judgment is so harsh and nobody will judge you as hard as you judge yourself. You have to stop judging yourself. We all do. You know, you know if we lie in, for example, you know, miss the alarm or I don't even have an alarm. Right, that's how mindful I am. I wake up naturally. I'm like Beyonce. But the point <laughs> is, it took me years to get to that point right. to allow myself the freedom to wake up when I need to. And guess what? I wake up early every morning like clockwork because I have the freedom to do that. But also, if I decide to work extra hard one day, I'll do it. And if I decide not to work so hard another day, then I won't. If I decide to go on vacation, I'm going to do that too. But do you know what? It's taken me years and years and going through major emotional breakdowns to arrive at this point. So I'm not promising that this will happen overnight. But what will happen overnight is that your awareness will be expanded to know that actually it's okay to be kind to yourself. And it's okay to stop judging yourself for doing something that actually takes care of you mm. in a small way. Yeah. I do judge myself. You first. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got to put yourself first because th there's no point that you sacrifice yourself for everybody else because eventually there'll be none of you left. Mm. And we see it happen all the time, you know, but it's, it's just a really simple process of reprogramming the mind and saying, you know what, instead of saying the show must go on, say the show can wait. Yeah. Yeah. I need some time like my body my mind my emotions are telling me take it down a step or two you know take it down a gear slow it down put it on pause and just take a break and let me figure out what's going on with me yeah yeah so Ugh. that's one of the really easy things that people can do and that you can do in particular Lauren <laughs> to really start practicing some self-care but it's just an exciting time for you because your your evolution is just absolutely unbelievable at the moment. You know, you're just growing leaps and bounds. So all of these skills and all of these tools that you're gathering as part of your life are just so valuable. I mean, you can teach these to friends, to children. You know how important it is for your children to grow up knowing that it's okay to have a bath in the middle of the day if that's what they feel they need to do. Right. Like, it's mind-blowing, right? Yeah. But it's just so important because what else does it tell them that it's okay to do? Take care you know? of yourself. 
yeah, we have to learn that. We really have to learn that. And just by being a little bit mindful and focusing on what would my best friend say to myself and becoming that best friend, that helps you to move in the right direction. So I think in terms of mental health in general, um, it's something that we definitely need to speak about. But emotional health is also really important because what a lot of people might not realize is that when people have breakdowns, and we know that this is peak time for breakdown, coming up to Christmas, the world over, is that sometimes it's actually an emotional breakdown that people are experiencing rather than a mental, right? Because a lot of people ignore their emotions, but we're emotional. That's the main difference between humans and mammals is that we're emotion, that we're, that we're run on emotion. So when your emotions kick in, i.e. feeling particularly sad or you know, despondent, disappointed, depressed, all of these, these words, then it's time again to take a moment, stop and just check in with yourself and find out what's going on. Why am I feeling like this? Because your emotions are an automatic reflection of what's going on around you or within you in your world. Right. So, you know, this is, these are the things that lead to breakdowns. And, you know, if, we're, if we allow ourselves just to take a moment and just to be, you know, kind and gentle to ourselves and not tell ourselves, come on, you've got to keep going. Come on, people are relying on you. Or it's Christmas. You have to make, you know, 15 turkeys and feed the whole world. Like, instead of telling ourselves that, sometimes we need to say, well, what would make me happy this Christmas? How can I be kinder to myself? The, you know, throughout the holiday season. What is it that makes me feel bad during this time? And how can I avoid that? How can I make sure that I take care of me? Yeah, this time really is tough. And I'm, I'm personally not one that's actually struggling with Christmas coming up. I have friends who are grieving hard this Christmas and every Christmas um, and every holiday. But for me this mm-hmm. Christmas, I have been dealing with the feeling of like, I, I just miss my family, you know? So it's like, it's yeah. all these things that like kind of come to a head mm-hmm. at, like, at Christmas time, at Christmas time. And it's supposed to be the yeah. happiest time of the year. <laughs> we see that again is a choice. Supposed to be. It? Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it's a choice. We can choose whether we, um, whether we make Christmas a happy time yes. by allowing ourselves to feel what we need to feel, but doing whatever we need to do to get through Christmas. Right. Right. Or does it become the worst time of the year because somebody's having a family party and even though we don't want to go, we force ourselves or mm. somebody's invited themselves for dinner and we don't know how to say no or you know, we are grieving and we do miss a loved one. But what we've decided to do is not tell anybody and just deal with that hurt ourselves. You know, just talking to somebody can make so much difference. Just opening up and just saying, I feel really terrible. It's the, you know, it's a terrible thing. It's the strangest thing, whatever it is. You know, you don't have to justify it. I just feel like this right now. And Christmas is a huge trigger for me for whatever reason. And by speaking about it, this is another way that we're compassionate to ourselves and we're kind to ourselves. We allow ourselves to express how we're feeling. And then we notice how quickly we can move past those emotions. And it doesn't mean that we've forgotten our loved ones or they're not important. It just means that we're finding a new way to get on with our lives. Mm. Right? So gone are the days, well, for me anyway, of doing what everybody else wants me to do at Christmas. I don't even compromise anymore. This is one of the times of year where I do exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Because that's the only way I can survive this time because it is a really emotional time. Um, you know, there, there's lots of loss and that type of thing. But also, you know, family friction is one of the worst things that we'll, we'll ever deal with in life. Yeah. And, you know, somebody really famous said that you can't please all the people all of the time. So I might as well please myself then and let's see who comes along for the ride. Yeah, that's actually, um, last year was one of the first years that we went back to Maryland. Actually, I think it was the first year we went to Maryland for Christmas. And after that, I was like, never again. And it was mostly, (laughs) seriously, I will not, I will not travel for Christmas anymore like that because it was so stressful that it took the joy out of my Christmas. You know, like yeah. not, and, and it was everything from, it, 
I mean, it wasn't like family stuff, but for the past six years, I've been on my own for Christmas and my, you know, my dad may have come down or we've had family come, but it's been my house, my flow, my kids are in that routine. My Christmas Eve looks a certain way. And then like when you change it and you add in all the stress of a sick kid and, you know, traveling 900 miles and traffic and it just all builds on you. And I'm like, why did I even put myself through this? You know, it was like, right. Yeah. So like, yeah. So and people were like, are you coming up for Christmas? I'm like, no, I'm staying. And it's because I, I'm choosing to stay because I know I'm one, I'm going to be a nicer person, Uh, not to everyone else. I mean, of course to everyone else, but like also to myself, I'm just going to be a nicer person, but I also feel that I will enjoy the holiday more. Right. Yeah. Right. And like, and these are decisions and choices that we need to make, that we need to make mindfully. We just do. We have to sit ourselves down. We have to have a whole conversation with ourselves and say, do you know what? Why do I feel so badly about this? Why is this such a problem? What would actually make me feel better? And do you know what? I'm going to be really courageous and I'm going to stand up to everybody in my family, my mum in particular, who has bullied me for years, has guilt tripped me for years into doing exactly what she wants for Christmas and ruining my Christmases in the process. Mm. No more. Yeah. Because it takes that courage, doesn't it? And it takes the, um, the ability to figure out why you're feeling so bad about it. But more importantly, it takes a certain degree of self-love and compassion to say, do you know what? I might go on holiday at Christmas. I might cook you know, hamburger and chips for Christmas. I might stay in my pajamas all day. I might work all day. Whatever I want to do that makes me happy for Christmas is what I want to do. And I mean, I'll tell you a really um, interesting or funny story. So this is many years ago. Um, my husband decided that he was, we were having Christmas at our house. And my husband decided to invite all of his family, everybody within distance of getting to the house. Um, so I was like, well, okay. You know, I was already a little bit on edge, but I said, okay. So off I went, spent a huge amount of money on food shopping and decorations and all the rest of it. I mean, ridiculous amount of money, way out of budget. So I was already pissed because I don't like going over budget. That's just me. But um, did all of these things. And then I was expected to cook. And I had my family members there and they were just sitting around drinking and laughing and joking. Uh, My children were much smaller. And he then and said to me, you need to go and pick up my mum, my sisters and all these other people. So this is the point where I start to like, you know, steam's coming out of my ears and everything else. And I was like, you've invited them. Either you pick them up or they make their way here. So he proceeded to have an argument. At this point, I'm in the kitchen cooking the, the Christmas dinner. And I said, you know what? I think I've had enough. And I went upstairs, I got changed, got in the car, drove off, and I left everybody for the whole entire day. Shut up. Yeah, I left them all because it was way too much. And I was like, nobody listens to me. Nobody cares about what I like. And when I came back, um, everybody was like, you know, looking at me (laughs) like I was an absolute nutter. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, what? Nobody said anything. They just all looked at me and I went upstairs, got in bed and went to sleep. Wow. And that was it. And I never had a Christmas like that again. And that was the beginning of me starting to understand that what I want is more important than what everybody else wants. Mm. Because that was his Christmas, not mine. Right, but he yeah. and he was expecting you to do all the work and to facilitate his idea his, of yeah, Christmas his idea. because he wanted to present this image. He, I mean, I'm not talking about his mum and his brothers and sisters. I'm talking about aunts, uncles, all of their children. I mean, we were like looking at like thirty people for mm. Christmas. Wow! And I'm supposed to ferry them around and cook. I mean, that story. I mean, that was a traumatic day, but I was so proud of myself that yeah. I walked out and left them all. Ugh. Yeah, I'm that proud was a real too. Proud, proud moment for me. That's but it was so out. difficult. Yeah, I, it I was imagine. so difficult. But I just took a decision. Yeah, and, you know, years later, it's now at the point where 
I sit and decide, am I going overseas? Am I going to go on vacation? Am I going to stay in bed all day? What do I want to eat? In fact, I've ordered catering this year, (laughs) which I think is delightful. Because do you know what? I don't want to cook. The past two Christmases, I cooked. You know, sweating in the kitchen, stressed this, that, and the other. And we have a really strange family where some people eat some meat and some people don't. And, you know, just constant ongoing cooking. And this year we've ordered catering. And I said, well, that'll do. And I'm happy. Perfect. Sometimes I feel like I get stuck in this, this picture in my head of what, what my life is supposed to look like. Yeah. That like, I often overlook what's actually happening you know, or like what it does look Mm. like. Like I get so caught up in that picture of a beautiful life. I'll say that. Like what, what, like a beautiful life, like that I have a trouble getting away from that picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, this is, this is how human beings are made, right? So everything we do is based on an idea, Right. So the the mind is the brain in action. Okay. So the brain activates, then the mind has ideas, holds onto memories, builds pictures. And then as a result, we have all these behaviors and all these emotions attached to those ideas. Right. So what you need to really do is sit down, get your journal out, get your pen out and really decide what actually matters to you in life because so many of our beliefs about what a beautiful life is or what a good life is or a bad life is are based on lies or images that have been pushed onto us um things that we saw growing up um, people that we've met during our life and sometimes we allow these ideas to just form and become an idea but it doesn't mean that that came from within us because there are so many things that we feel guilty or ashamed about if we do something differently. Um, there are so many things where we feel like, if I do that, I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be a bad person. Everybody wants to be a good person, right? Mm-hmm. So we will do whatever we need to do to avoid becoming what we believe is a bad person. Yeah. So sometimes the idea of a beautiful life is based on other people's ideas of what a good person and a good life looks like. And it's one of the most difficult things that we ever do when we break the norm, right? So sometimes we have to sit down and really pick up our idea of what a beautiful life is and decide, is that my idea or is that another idea? Is that an idea that I was given? Is that something I was shown? Is that something that, you know, I watched as a child? Where do I get this idea from? And actually, does it resonate with who I know myself to be as a person. Yeah. And the reason I should, I should mention to those listening that I use the term beautiful life was in my reading with uh, Reverend Faden and the mother Mary, one of the things that came up was um, that I have the desire to have a beautiful life, not just one on the outside, but it has to feel beautiful for me. So um, that's actually an energy that fuels me. So there have been numerous times where this picture in my head of maybe it was the perfect Christmas. Uh, actually, when Skylar was first born, I, I, that first Christmas, I was so pissed off because it didn't go the way that in my head, her first Christmas should have gone. But nothing was wrong with it. Right. Nothing was wrong. There was nothing wrong with it. It just didn't go the way that I saw it in my head. <laughs> you know, like it just wasn't that that way. And I had a really hard time even getting out of my mood and like taking a step back from myself and being like, calm down. There's nothing wrong here, but I didn't see it then. Of course I see it now, but that day I, I actually let the, what my idea of the, the perfect day and it didn't happen. I let it ruin that day for no reason. Oh, wow. Yeah. So where do you think you, you, you've developed your idea of a beautiful life from? Where do you, just off the top of your head, first answer, there's no right or wrong. Where do you get your ideas from? I don't, I don't know. Because the, the first idea off the top of my head, I just feel like my parents. 
Okay. But I felt like they created like a beautiful life for me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like you spend your whole life trying to emulate the life that your parents gave you? Um, yeah, yeah, probably. But you're not your mum or your dad. Yeah, no. <laughs> because the life that they gave you is the life that they created between them. Mm. So you have to think about the life that you've created, the life that comes out of you, because your children sit within the life that you've created. And you're a very different person to both of your parents. Now, there will always be similarities because you've been raised a certain way and then there's the whole, you know, nature-nurture argument. But essentially, you living your life is the foundation of the life for your children. Yeah. So if you were to stop and think, right, this is who I am. These are my personal beliefs. These are my desires. These are my goals, my dreams. This is what I believe life should look like every day. This is how I want to operate. This is what I think is important. And then compare that to the way you were raised, there will definitely be some differences. Right. And it doesn't make anybody right or wrong. Yeah. It's just what comes out of you is your truth. Mm. And so it's really difficult when we decide to, you know, break with tradition or do things differently because you might be absolutely destroying yourself trying to live a certain life that just doesn't resonate with you, that you're not capable of, that you don't believe in. So how are you going to fulfill that? It's not possible. Yeah. I actually, um, I, I've had many, many people, uh, question why I don't go to church anymore. And they're like, but your parents go to church. Like, like they're like, you know, like it would always come back. And for a while it used to really bother me because it, to me, I felt like, oh, am I disappointing my parents, you know, for, for Mm -hmm. that. And I was like, I just, I don't feel right in church. That's just not, it's not where I go to feel spiritual. And it's not that I can't go. I've gone to, you know, sermons since then. And like, sometimes it's like, they're talking to me, but it's not part of my weekly practice. Um, Yeah. So, but I, but it took a while for me to like, like, it's okay that I don't go, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and my mom has told me like, she's had to almost defend me too. And be like, it's, that's her. That's her. She doesn't want to go. Like, what does yeah. it matter? She's, it's not like I'm doing terrible things out in the world. It's just, I'm just not going. <laughs> and even if you are, it's not your mom's responsibility. It's right. yours. Right. Because guess what? Or who you are. Yeah. And if your children go up and decide they want to go to church every Sunday, then that's what they want to do. Exactly. Great for them. I hope they but do. You see, you this know? all comes back yeah. to judging ourselves yes, and not and being compassion. kind to ourselves. Yeah. Be compassionate so, to yourself. Decide. This is how I'm kind to myself. I actually prefer to stay at home on a Sunday and watch a movie. That's just what works for me. Right. Oh, yeah. I stopped, I saying, I stopped saying yes to birthday parties that fell on Sundays because I wanted to watch football. So, but, right. you know, you like it's a small step and it might sound silly, but it's like big because I would just be mad at some little kid's birthday party because I wanted to be home watching football. So I yep. was just like, no, we're not, not doing Sunday football, birthday parties. So what, how else can I, like, uh, do I just journal this? Like, do I, do I journal what I need to do for self-compassion or like, because clearly I know. So the first, so the first step is that um, everybody needs to develop a mindfulness practice and everybody is mindful at some points, right? So whenever you're engaged in something that you enjoy, you're being mindful. It's just that we spend so much of our times being mindless, as in doing things on autopilot, like driving, eating, walking, you know, where we don't need to necessarily think about it, that it's really easy to drift off. So everybody needs a mindful practice. That could be meditation. That could be following your breath. That could be, you know, focusing on a point or something like that, whatever it is. Figure out how to develop mindfulness. There are tons of videos on YouTube. You know, you can get mindfulness everywhere and anywhere. The second thing is, once you've developed that practice, everybody needs to be able to sit with themselves and look within. You have to develop, and it's a scary place to go. I promise you, not everybody, not everybody finds this easy. But you've got to be able to look within, find out exactly what is going on with you, and then make some notes. 
write it down, get it out there. So if you notice, for example, that you have a certain pattern of behavior um, or that you're doing something that you believe is destructive or negative in terms of what you would like to have happen in your life, write it down and make a note. And then what we do is we take the approach of being compassionate towards ourselves. So how do we do this? Well, first of all, the first rule is to be kind to yourself. Stop judging yourself, stop criticizing yourself and stop chastising yourself. That's the first way that we can be kind. The next thing that we need to do, the next step in kindness is to be understanding of ourselves. Mm. Most of us forget that we're human. Okay, human beings are fallible. Perfection doesn't exist. Yeah. Like we have to allow ourselves to make mistakes, to screw up, to get things wrong, to fall off, you know, the wagon, whatever it is that's happening. Don't chastise yourself. Don't judge yourself for it. Be kind to yourself and say, do you know what? I'm only human. I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to get back to whatever it is that my intentions are set for and keep moving in this direction. And then the third step is to treat yourself as you would a really good friend. So if you saw a friend crying in floods of tears, you'd never turn around and say to that friend, stop crying, you idiot. Dry your eyes and pull yourself together. But that's how we speak to ourselves, right? What would you do? You'd put your arm around your friend. You'd say, it's okay, let it out. And you'd just let them cry. Mm. Sometimes just let yourself do whatever it is you need to do to feel better so be kind to yourself is the first thing treat yourself as you would your real you know a real good friend and the third thing that we need to do is just really find a way to demonstrate how much we love ourselves to ourselves so there's a there's a whole saying in dating where people say um, you know there's a lot of people out there who say I want somebody who does this for me who treats me like this and all the rest of it but they've never done that for themselves. Do for you what you would want to have somebody do for you. So if you'd like somebody to take you on a date, take yourself on a date. If you'd like somebody to pay for a pedicure or a massage, pay for your own pedicure or massage. You know, save some money, put it away, get a little jar, whatever you need to. If you fancy, you know, having a steak dinner and a glass of champagne, off you go. Like, who cares about everybody else? I did this for years, but I know you're not surprised because people think I'm weird. I would literally <laughs> go to uh, the Molten Brown Spa, have whatever treatments, and then go sit in a really nice, expensive restaurant, order all three courses, drink champagne, and enjoy myself. And it would get to the stage where they'd see me coming in, they'd know me and say, hi, so what are you having today? And it'd be a little bit of a joke. But the only people I'd speak to would be the wait staff. That's it. And I'd go by myself because you know what? I enjoyed the luxury of A, having those treatments and B, having a meal that I really enjoyed. So do for you what you would have others do for you. And in fact, go a step further and do for you what you are prepared to do for other people. So what do you do for your children that you don't do for yourself? What do you do for your partner that you don't do for yourself? Right. Listen, it's a, you know, there's a whole world of stuff out there. But start small, you know. So every time you find yourself saying, oh, my gosh, you know, the girls would love this. Or, oh, my gosh, you know, my guy would love this. Think about, do you have this? Have you done this for yourself yet? Oh, my gosh. There's so many times, like even in the mornings, I get up some an hour and a half, sometimes two hours before them. I'm on that eternal, internal alarm too, or I just wake up and I'm up for the day. But mm-hmm. I will go like we're sitting here today, and my um, my lunch has been sitting next to me for the past four hours. You know, like it's been one of those, and I'm like, well, I made the kids breakfast. Why didn't I make myself breakfast? Like I got, right. I was able to get them, you know, hairbrush, teeth brush, everything out the door. But why wasn't I able to do that for myself? And yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. always, I'm like always making sure that they're taken care of and putting myself on that that back burner always. Right. And let me tell you a little secret that will help you to start initiating these processes. Your children are looking at you and learning 
how to be in the world. Mm. People are animals, first and foremost. We don't learn by what we're told. We imprint. We learn by what we see. Mm. So as much as you're taking care of your daughters by making sure that they're washed, dressed, looking great, had breakfast and everything else, none of it matters unless they see you doing that for yourself. Wow. Oh, wow. And nobody will ever treat you better than you treat yourself. That's so true. That's so true. Because anytime I dump expectations onto someone else, it's just, it's filled with disappointments. But if I put expectations on myself and like, you know, give myself, it always feels good, especially when I reach out because I typically I'm not going to let myself down in that way. Right. So get a planner, write it down in your journal, do whatever you need to do, put it on your phone as a reminder, set the times when you need to demonstrate your love for yourself Mm. and make it a habit, make it a routine. Yeah. You know, there are certain times when you, for example, like you don't even have to spend a lot of money. You can wait for the sales. But one of my self-care practices is candles. I absolutely adore candles. Like I'm obsessed with candles, always white. But I go to HomeSense, which is the home version of TK Maxx, because there I can afford to buy 10 candles at once. Whereas if I went to, you know, really expensive candles, I'd maybe get one or two. But I love candles. And sometimes a really simple self-care practice for me is to crack open a new candle, light (laughs) it up, get in bed and watch a new box set. Yeah. Like that makes me feel special because I've got a brand new candle. Do you know what I mean? It's a small thing. But before I buy anybody else a candle as a present, I've got 10. So I can afford to maybe give them one of mine. I don't even have to buy them one. But I buy these things for myself and I stock them because it's important to me to feel really, really nice sometimes by just opening a candle and lighting it up. But it's, it's finding out what works for you. How do you demonstrate love to you? Just like you learn what your children like, what your friends like, you know, what your parents like, what your cousins like, what your partner likes, just in the same way you understand. I mean, some people treat their dogs better than they treat themselves. Mm. I was guilty of that at one point. You know, every Saturday morning, off I go to the pet shop. Oh, what can I get for Nate? It was crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Instead of getting myself off to, you know, home sense or wherever I needed to go. They didn't have home sense then. But do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, Nate needs a new collar. Well, maybe I needed a new hat. I don't know. Well, I I do do that all the time. Yeah, I do it all the time with the kids of like, you know, they, they need new clothes and it's like, Oh, they need that. They need that. But I can't remember the last time I bought myself something, you know, and I know my sister struggles. I know so many women in general who struggle with that of, Oh, my kids need that. And like constantly doing that. And it's like, Oh, I haven't bought a new tank top in 10 years. Like, and then you don't don't even realize that the time has gone by that long since you've taken care of yourself in that way. Yeah. And it's a fine balance. I'm not saying that you can just throw everybody in the bin and it's right. just all about you. That's completely unrealistic. Exactly. But it's about figuring out what are those small things that make you feel loved and special that you do for you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't have to be an elaborate gesture because we know, especially as women, that it's the small things that matter. It's the little thoughts. So I have another, I'm full of self-care practices. I might start a blog one day. So I have this whole thing. So because I run my own business, as you know, Lauren, as you do, every time I get a significant contract or start working with a new client, I buy myself something from Tiffany. (laughs) That's awesome. And do you know what I do? When the little card comes with it, I write a message to myself. (laughs) I love you, Shereel, or you are the best, Shereel, or well done, Shereel, on achieving this thing. Because first of all, I want to remember, I want a a physical memory of that achievement. Because no matter how much money we make, no matter how well we do in business, no matter how years we do it for, there's always a time when you land something and you're like, yes, like, The first time I worked with an actual Buddhist monk in mindfulness, I did a victory lap. 
I was yeah. like, I've arrived. Yeah, like, I arrived. A Buddhist monk is asking me to write mindfulness courses for him. Like, like you know, there are always these little things, aren't there? Yeah. I bought myself um, a Tiffany necklace with the infinity sign because I thought it was amazing. Yeah. But the thing is, whenever I look at that, I remember what it means. I remember why I bought it. And I have a little stack of Tiffany cards that I wrote little messages on. And you know what? That means more to me. And it doesn't have to be expensive Tiffany thing. But, you know, there's a whole thing about that blue box arriving. Right. But it's from me. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing more special than me buying for me something that makes me feel special. And it's occasional. You know, I mean, I've only bought Tiffany boxes twice this year. I've only bought two things this year. Some years I might buy one thing. I don't know. This is, you know, something that fluctuates. Or if I go on a certain holiday, if there's something that I really love that comes from that country, I'll buy it. I've been to places where I don't buy anything because I don't care. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? It's finding out what makes you feel special. You know, those little things like it might be, you might be into crystals, you might be into plants. You might have a favorite drink that when you buy it, you drink it all to your damn self. Whatever it is, show yourself some love. Yeah. Like remind yourself how much you love yourself. Remind yourself how worthy you are of being loved and show yourself some kind. Be kind to yourself. I think that's just a message that not only I need it today, but probably every listener needs walking into uh, the holidays and the new year because this to me is like, it's been a wake up call on so many Mm -hmm. levels. And my goal for the next couple of weeks is to do these steps that you've just given me to journal, to lay it all out. You've actually given me other tasks to do in other areas. <laughs> Deep breath. I, I have a lot of work to do. I have a lot of work to do, but that's why I wanted to do this episode because I have felt that for the past, this is the 18th episode, the past 17 weeks before this, that you know, I have had these people on and I'm asking them to be vulnerable and I'm asking them to share their message and their truth and to step forward into their power. And I had that imposter syndrome where I'm like, I haven't been doing that. I have been doing behind the scenes work. I have, like I have, I've been doing a lot. And I think if people were to see my journal, they would be like, dang girl is getting it. But that's not, I haven't been transparent about that. And I haven't been transparent about what's going on in my life, mostly because like the beginning of the conversation, I've been acting from that protective mode. So it was, I was protecting myself from letting everyone know. And actually I'm probably going to have a few friends who listen to this podcast and then text me and be like, why did you not tell me about your face? Like, because they don't, I didn't even tell them, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. So, but you know what? People are going to really appreciate the fact that you've opened up because we all know how hard it is to be transparent. We all walk around with masks on and protecting ourselves from different people, different situations. But I tell you what, the amount of work you've done is what has got you to this point mm-hmm. because people spend years, I mean, lifetimes to get to where you've got to in a matter of weeks or months. Mm. So pat yourself on the back for that. Like I will. Don't be hard on yourself. I'm fat like, it right this now. This is all part of your growth. Yeah. 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 And you need to be proud of yourself. I'm incredibly proud of you. And I'm um I'm so thankful and just and grateful that because I know a lot of this has transpired because of the podcast. Yeah. I would have never had that one-on-one session with Reverend Faden if it weren't for the podcast, uh, you know? Mm-hmm. So like those were things that when she, she had asked me after our call, if I was open for it, that's not something I would have seeked out on my own, you know? So, and then, yeah. and I've just met so many amazing people through this journey who give me, there's always an episode I walk away and I'm like, huh, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think of it that way. So even these episodes have been, part of of my part of your journey yeah and you just need to continue holding space for people and I just think that 
it's so admirable that you chose to be vulnerable and open up to everybody. But I think everyone really appreciates the fact that you've made this decision in your life to hold space for people so that other people can get what they need when they need it. Well, I feel like I kind of raised the standard for 2019 now. (laughs) Sorry, guys. This was was the last episode of, of the year. So I... I'm going to have to rethink next year now. <laughs> and I, I just want to remind everybody that if they are serious about self-compassion and mindful compassion, that they should really look into getting Mindful Compassion by Paul Gilbert and Choden. And it's using the power of mindfulness and compassion to transform our lives. It's a, it's a serious book. It's a bit of a read, but it's worth it. It really is worth it if you're serious about making that transition from putting everybody else in front of you and deciding to take your power back you know put you first and the transformation and the things you'll be able to do in your life will only amaze and delight you well thank you so Thank you for you're most welcome for joining me. I'm glad it's a great session this way because I don't think even what I had mapped out, I probably wouldn't have been as transparent as I was through our conversation, but you make it easy for me. So, well, there's no hiding with me, Lauren. There really isn't. We, we know too much about each other's lives. So (laughs) what the heck, let's just put it all on the table, right? That's so true. So, but yeah, but thank you so much for inviting me to get on this call. It's always a pleasure and an absolute honor to join you. And I just really appreciate the work that you're doing. And it's just, it's just great to see you blossoming and grow. You are already amazing, but now you're like astonishing. (laughs) I'm not Sheryl Turner yet, but I'm working my way. You don't have to be. You just have to be Lauren Smith. I know. I I just (laughs) meant your level. I just meant your level. Listen, I've got a good few years on you, lady. A good few. <laughs> Lots to learn. Well, thanks again, for Cheryl, for joining me. And I hope everyone enjoyed this impromptu episode. I know it wasn't the way that we planned, but hey, I think the best things in life, that's how they happen. That's right. That's right. But you're most welcome. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing all the wonderful things that you do in the new year. All right. Cheers to 2019 and thank you. 2018. Happy holidays, everybody. (laughs) Yes. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Well, friends, there you have it. One layer of this old heart pulled back with many more to work on. As I mentioned before, this is the last episode of the year and all I have to say is wow. (sighs) Thank you for tuning in with me weekly. This podcast has grown in leaps and bounds way more than I could have ever imagined. And since it's launched five months ago, I've grown just as much, and I hope you're able to say the same. I want nothing more than to you to keep tuning in every week so we can grow, learn, evolve, heal, and laugh together. In January, we have a lot going on. We'll be talking about goal planning. We have an episode with the owners of Tiffany the Tiny Home, Tim and Sam, to discuss their tiny home lifestyle. Agnes Kowalski and I get real about money. Melissa Habibi will give us some insight on understanding our soul's purpose. And I'll be bringing you a special birthday episode. I'll be 31. Whew. Where's time going? No, I still feel very young. (laughs) But I have a lot to look forward to in 2019. But I am so grateful for the lessons and blessings of 2018. So I'll see you back here in the new year. And until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.